Yeah, Father, we thank you for today. It's a privilege to be with you, be with each other. And we thank you for Liz, who's going to share with us now. I ask Holy Spirit that you will just take hold of her words, that you will give her the right words, that those words will just flow out of her from you to us. We ask for you to bless us with your presence and your words. Bless Liz as she speaks. And we thank you that you're a father that is always standing beside us, always guiding us, and gives us everything that we need for this day. So bless Liz now. Amen. 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 Someone agrees over there. That's really good. It's a good start. <laughs> oh. It's so, so good to be back with you. And, uh, you know, when you've been somewhere a couple of times, it starts to feel like coming home when you come back. It's like, you, you're, you know, you're part of something. It's very, very different for, from coming for the first time. So it's really, really wonderful um, to see so many familiar faces and to just be back with you. Because um, we're just all family, really, aren't we? We're the family of God. And uh, we're all brothers and sisters together. And um, as brothers and sisters together, our hearts are set towards each other for their good, aren't they? And that's wonderful, isn't it? It is so wonderful because um, we are more and more entering into um, a, a, a period of time, an era of time, where everything in the world is becoming more starkly opposed to everything that's in the kingdom. So as we display that love towards one another, it starts to really look like something to those who are outside of it at this point. Um, so I'd really encourage you to, you know, keep meeting, keep gathering, go to everything, be with him, be in his presence together. It's wonderful to be in his presence on our own, in our own times, isn't it? It's intimate, it's beautiful, I love it, there's no, I absolutely adore it. But you know, when we meet together in his presence, it's almost like something of Christ is magnified through that. There's a real strength in it. Um, so yeah, all glory to God. Who was blessed in the worship this morning? Oh. Wasn't that wonderful? So, so powerful. Olive. Oh. So, <laughs> well, I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to give you a word because I just really felt it um, on my heart as we were worshipping. And I was re just reminded of a little phrase that I'd read, um, probably on social media, actually, at some point, but it's very, very apt. And I completely concur with you, Mark, about... You know, if you've never fasted from social media, do it. Do it. Because it's only when we stop it, we realise what a grip it has on us. Who wants to be gripped by social media? Uh -uh. So be encouraged, receive that. And for all of us, let's recognise that if in our own histories, our own times, and I'm sure we all have, we identify with those times of crushing. We identify with those times of being squeezed. We identify with those times of being unseen and misunderstood. We identify with those times of being attacked unjustly. He knows. He knows. He knows all of it. And he loves us in it. And he's loving us through it. If you're in one of those times right now, know that Father God, Daddy God is right by your side with you, going through it with you. And he will not let you fall because he loves you. He loves you. And we have that scripture already. He will uphold you in his righteous right hand. Amen? Amen. I loved what you guys brought this morning about joy. I love it. Um, and I tell you why I love it, because it confirms to me that my hearing, at least in some respects of the stuff I'm going to share this morning, is, is spot on with you guys. 
So um, I always ask the Lord for a word for the year, at the end of one year and to the beginning of the next. And I did it this year. And um, it was a, a pretty strange sort of experience because instead of receiving something completely new, he repeated what he said to me last year. And what he said to me last year for 2022 was, it's time. It's time. He didn't say what it was time for. He just said, it's time. And, um, and that sort of, that, that word has run through many different um, ministries and threads and many different voices spoke it during last year. And I guess each one of us and our different churches and different ministries will sort of have a witness to what it was time for. But this year when he said to me, it's time, he didn't stop there. He said, it's time to step out. And it's time to stand out. So a little bit more directive. And of course, when God says something like that to you and he can speak to us through anything, we then ask him, you know, we inquire of the Lord. We inquire of the Lord. We know, don't we, things didn't go well for the Israelites in the Old Testament when they stopped inquiring of the Lord. But when they did, they received direction. So I'm asking God, okay, I'm hearing that, Lord, and straight away things are sort of pinging in my mind, but what are you saying to me? And he brought to mind a recollection of something that had happened um, a very long time ago, actually. It's probably 20 years ago. And Mike and I had uh, gone down to the New Forest with our beautiful Springer Spaniel um, uh, to take her for a walk on a day off um, in the autumn. And we'd driven down there, we got this wonderful little, we love walking, so we do this quite a lot. We got this wonderful book that gave um, planned routes and all that sort of thing, and we know where we're going. So we park the car, unload the car, get out, and we start off on our walk. And it's down a bridle path, so it's a path sort of wide like this. And it's covered with fallen leaves because it's autumn, the sun's shining, it's dappling through the trees, the dog's going nuts. Any spaniel lovers in the house this morning? I'm a very much a dog lover, so... <laughs> anyway, spaniels love that, you know, that he was, she was just joyous. She was going up one side of the bank and up the other side of the bank and just running around and ears were flying all over the place, having a wonderful time. We're walking down the middle of this bridle path, and what we can't see, because the leaves are all over it, is it's actually really quite muddy. And I'm walking in front of Mike, and he's behind me, but I become aware at one point that he's just not behind me anymore. And I turn around, and he's just stuck in the mud. He's completely stuck. He's trying to... Do you ever have that feeling? He's trying to get his boot out of the... And it's gloopy and it's sucking him down and he just can't do it and the dog just thinks it's hilarious so she's running around his feet it's really not a good start for Mike but anyway eventually the only way he can extricate himself out of this gloop is to come out of his boots okay um so the reason for telling me that and the reason that God um, reminded me of it was that in our situation in that, at that time, you know, Mike had to do it himself. He got muddy feet. It was, you know, it was all a little bit, I'll just turn my mic on. All a little <coughs> bit unfortunate. Has that gone off? Oh, me in tech. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, sorry, my fault. Press the button. Um, so yeah, so um, as, I'm, as I'm just asking God about this, he gives me another picture. And this time the person stuck in the mud in the boots is not Mike, it's a little child, just a little child. And instead of just really trying hard, it's like, how am I gonna get myself out of this situation and this is not going well and all the emotions that go with that. This little child did what a little child would do. What would they do? Help! Somebody help me! Get me out of these boots! 
And as this kid lifted his arms up and cried out for help, it was like the arms of Jesus just came down and gently, gently lifted him out. And Jesus is laughing, the child's laughing. It's joyful. It is just joyful. And what could have been a really difficult situation becomes redeemed by joy. Oh. And I sense that one of the things that the Lord wants to do this year, one of the things that it is time for, is to redeem some joy. He really wants to redeem some joy. There are so many of us who have disconnected from our joy because of circumstances, because of, um, I don't know, anything. The things that come on us, the things that we have to navigate our way through that's difficult, our family situations, our job situations, our financial situations, our health situations. And, you know, under all that pressure, Actually, it is quite easy to just disconnect from that joy that is available to each one of us, irrespective of those things, all the time. All the time. And I used to, I used to think that joy, this sort of spiritual joy, was a really deep embedded peace that you have in your spirit that's, you know, and it is, but it's also joy, it's also laughter, it's also visible, it's also fun, it's a light thing, not a heavy thing, and I loved it, you know, when we sang that song this morning, Olive, and, uh, you know, it's like you were rallying us into that place of joy. And you know, sometimes we have to rally each other, don't we, into that place. God puts us in family because why? Because we really can't do it on our own. I can't do it on my own. I can, it's impossible for me. I can talk myself into misery at the drop of a hat. Believe me, ask my husband. I really can. I really, really can. But with encouragement, from my brothers and sisters, with, because sometimes you just lose your vision, don't you? Your vision just becomes a little bit blurred and you don't see things clearly. So God's saying it's time for a restoration of that joy so that we can, as it says in that passage from Isaiah, go out with joy and be led forth in peace. Who wants that this morning? There's a grace for this. There's a grace for this. And what he showed me was that, um, you know, that lack of joy and a few other things as well, actually, um, sort of equate to that gloopy mud that we just get stuck in. You know, we just get stuck, don't we? Does anybody feel stuck this morning? Does anybody feel, we all feel stuck sometimes, don't we? And <laughs> that mud... That, that gloopy, horrible stuff that stops us from being able to move. He wants to help us, release, he wants to release us from that gloop so that we can actually just walk forward with our hands in his hand, him leading us, not ourselves trying to wrangle it ourselves and do it for ourselves and independently get ourselves sorted out and once I'm sorted out then I'll get my joy back. Anyone identify with that? Yeah, when I've sorted myself out I will get my joy back. I've got to tell you friends you're going to be miserable for a long time. Really, really, because we can't do it but, but when we become dependent on him, when we are prepared to humble ourselves before him and say, God, I just can't do this. I can't do it. Wow, he is so quick to just scoop us up out of those wellies or boots or whatever they are. 
and set us again on the right path. So there's a question this morning, if you're stuck, what is it you're stuck in? What does that stuckness look like for you? And I think in, in this respect, it's a stuckness that's represented by the more general things, the bigger things. So it's um, the stuckness of fear, of doubt, of unbelief, of unforgiveness, of hidden sin that you desperately want to get out of, but you're just too ashamed to confess. Complacency, hopelessness, apathy. That's the gloop. It even sounds gloopy, doesn't it? It sounds gloopy. What's your stuckness if you're stuck? What is it? And you know, as we bring it to him, and we just say, I recognize this, Father, in my life. And I don't want to be in this horrible, gloopy, quicksandy sort of mud that's threatening to just suck all the life out of me. Because I know I'm alive in you. I should be alive in Christ. Amen? Amen. He lifts us out so, so easily. So easily. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let him just lift you out, even right now. Bless you for just going with what he's doing. Oh. When I first heard that, that word, it's time to step out, I thought about Peter. Because you do, don't you? <laughs> Peter getting out of the boat to walk towards Jesus on the water has to be miraculous. There's no other way he can do it. has to be miraculous. And um, I think that's probably our natural response as Christians. That's what we think of, isn't it? And we imagine that stepping out will always mean you've got to get out of the building and into the community, or you've got to step out into a new ministry, or you've got to do something you're really, really frightened of. Yeah? Because that's how it gets preached. And sometimes it's, that's absolutely right, isn't it? It's absolutely right. But in this instance, what I saw was um, us, you know, individuals standing in that boat, wanting desperately to get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus. But it's like the, the clothes that we were wearing were just weighed down with pockets that were just full of stones just full of stones. And what would stones do? They'd weigh you down, wouldn't they? They'd weigh you down. And it wouldn't matter, actually, um, how much you sort of... Um, oh, I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm hesitating, because I've got this phrase in my mind, and I got caught out. Oh, God, I'll just... I'll say it. I'll just say it. doesn't matter how much you screwed up your faith. See, to me, that means, like, you know... Um, stirring up your faith, but I said it once and somebody heard screwed up, so it all got a bit lost. <laughs> stir up your faith. Doesn't matter how much you stir up your faith, how much you fix your eyes on Jesus, and even if you step out of the boat and you're walking towards him, if you're weighed down with stones, you will sink. You'll sink. You'll sink. And these stones, they represented the more specific things, the more individual things, the things that are really um, sort of personal to us. Mm. What are those things? Have you got stones in your pocket? I know I have. I know I have. But God is inviting us to just give those stones to him. And these, you know, they're, they're the more specific things. There may be an unforgiveness. There may be a need to forgive yourself. That's the biggest one, you know. That's the thing we're so bad at doing. Forgiving ourselves. Letting go of those things that keep us back. And until we forgive ourselves... We can't do that. You identifying with this? You can't do that. 
Forgiveness is the most wonderful key that we have. And it's the thing that we recognize and we need to do and we know that we've offended. We know we've hurt somebody else. We know that we've hurt God. We know that we've done something wrong. You know, we ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness because that's quite right that we would do that. And we get a measure of release just in that one thing, but it's not the whole equation. Because once God's forgiven you, which he does, always, if we come to him in faith and with the right heart, asking him for forgiveness, repenting, saying we are going to turn away, we're not going to do this, whatever it was, again, help us, Lord, he forgives us. And once he's forgiven us, what does it say in the Bible? Our sins are like, they're as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. He's done it. You're free. You can't, if you go back to him with the same sin, he's going to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because he's done it. But sadly, what happens so often is we don't forget about it. And we go back and back and back, and it becomes like one of those awful insect bite itches that you just can't, you know, you just can't stop scratching it, but it just doesn't heal until you do. Amen? So that may be a stone for you. You may need to forgive yourself. Oh, I'm really feeling this, actually. I'm feeling this. There may be relationship issues, there may be ungodly beliefs, there may be just behaviours, they're all stones, things that weigh us down and prevent us in our stepping out journey. We, we get a little way, but you know, eventually you're just going to go down. I'm not going to do that because I won't get back up again. <laughs> you just go down. And he wants us free. And the thing is, with some of these things, you know, you do not realise, a bit like what Mike, Mark was talking about with the social media fasting, you don't realise how bound you have been until you experience freedom. And, you know, you can excuse something, and you get used to living with something, and we learn how to manage something, but it's still got us bound until we surrender it to him. Because freedom is only in him, isn't it? We know this. It's the only place it comes from. Nothing else can free us. We can't do it ourselves. But he can do it. And once he's freed us, what are we? Free. We're free. It's good news. You know, so maybe you can relate to this in, in terms of that there could have been times when you have stepped out to do something. You've really sensed God speak to you about something. You've stepped out, but you just haven't got anywhere. Anybody relate to that? It just hasn't done what you thought it was going to do. Stones in your pockets. You know, we, we met, I've done this myself and been in that situation and sat down and thought about it and thought about it before the Lord and sort of rationalized it into... Well, perhaps it just wasn't the right time. You know, perhaps I went too quickly. Perhaps I wasn't listening enough. Perhaps, you know, perhaps, 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 perhaps. But perhaps it was just the fact that I was encumbered with things that I shouldn't have been encumbered with. I wasn't actually free enough to step into that which he had for me. Wow. And this surrendering requires a degree of humility, doesn't it? Because we have to admit to ourselves that actually we've not got everything sorted out yet. And let me encourage you, we're all going to get to the end of our journey and we won't have everything sorted out <laughs> because we're not made perfect till we get there. So that's another thing we do, isn't it? I've been a Christian 30 years, why am I still trying to deal with this stuff? Should be done by now. 
Don't beat yourself up. That's a lie of the enemy trying to keep you in that place. God is always encouraging us to get free. Always encouraging us to get free. Oh. Because when we're free, change happens. You know where the Bible talks about we're gradually being changed from one degree of glory into another, being made, becoming more and more like Him. We want to get to a place, don't we, where we look in our own mirror and when we see the reflection of our own face, we see Jesus. Amen? I want that. I want that. And I don't see it yet, but every now and again I get a glimpse. And I know that he's working with me. As much as I surrender myself to him, as much as I'm prepared to be humble before him, which means I'm not trying to hold anything back. It's like I am so open, Lord. I'm transparent before you. And that's the state of my heart. That's what I want to be. You know, the fact is we are transparent before God, whatever the state of our heart. There is nothing that we do that he doesn't know about. There's nothing that we see or, or, or nothing that we think or see or anything. He knows. So, you know, it's a really, it's a misunderstanding to think we can keep things hidden from him. It's impossible to hide anything from God. But his heart is gladdened when we bring the things that we hide in darkness into his light. Because that's when he can move on us. And that's human. I, I, you know, I haven't researched this. I'm not a theologian. But to me, that makes sense as a definition of true humility. I willingly just... I'm transparent before you, Lord. Would you, and say with the psalmist, you know, would you search me? Would you know me? Would you search me? Look at my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and help me to sort it out. And he will. Wow. There's a grace for this right now. There's a real grace to start to walk in this humility. And the reason, I believe, why it's so desperately important is that without that humility, we can never have true intimacy with Jesus. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want that true intimacy. That that ability to be able to just go before him naked and unashamed. Nothing, no gaps, you know, nothing between us, nothing. Nothing separates us, but sometimes we put things in the way. But it removes all that. Oh, intimacy. He's coming back for his church, isn't he? He's coming back for his spotless bride. You know, a husband doesn't come for a bride to not be intimate. It's his desire too. It's his desire too. And um, I think this is really, really key and important. And I think it gets a little, can get a little bit skewed sometimes because most of us are doers and we want to do stuff. Um, and we want, to, you know, we want to know how to do stuff to make things work. How will I be successful in this? Would you agree with me? That's what most of us you know, respond to that. So we make things a priority, don't we? We make our time with Jesus a priority. And that, that's very necessary, and it's very true, but it's sort of head level. This is not about making Jesus a priority. It's about making him the desire of our hearts. 
above all else. My one desire, this is my desire to worship you. One thing I ask, one thing I desire. Amen? It's the desire of our hearts. And that's what he's looking for, I believe. And uh, I got a bit challenged. Uh, so I'm talking about the stones. I'm trying to illustrate what these stones might be. I got a little bit challenged in between Christmas and the year. I love reading. I love reading. And I'm, you know, I'm careful about what I read. I, and I'm very quick to put things down if I, you know, I come across something that's not really very wholesome. Because it absolutely is true. You know, what we put before our eyes and what we take into our ears. We start to reflect all that. Um, but I do love reading, and I got myself into this um, habit, it's been going on for years and years and years, that last thing at night, I'd read myself to sleep. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, nothing wrong with doing that, but it had become unwittingly something that I was very protective of. You know, this is what I like to do, I used to look forward to, you know, going to bed with a good book. Anybody else do that? Nothing wrong with it. But God challenged me and he said, you know, Liz, your desire to do that is actually greater than your desire to lose yourself in my book. Ooh. Ouch. Ouch. And I did that little thing before God that I'm sure we've all experienced at some time or another. And I just said, you're right. <laughs> I'm going to stop reading. So it wasn't like I decided I would fast from reading, but he'd shown me that my desire to, to do this thing was greater than my desire to lose myself in his word. So I started reading his word instead of reading my novels, and I contracted with him that I wouldn't pick up another novel until he told me that it was okay to do so. And it's not so, the thing that gets um, misunderstood sometimes, and I think it's really um, beneficial to just look at it for a minute, is we sometimes take these things in and we go away thinking she told us we can't read novels. <laughs> or she told us we can't watch television. She told us we can't go to the movies. She did, you know, you hearing this? I've, I've been in, I've sat in churches and come away with that sort of um, the thinking. And actually that's not at all what, what we're saying here. We can do all things. You know, all things are permissible, not all are beneficial. Let's be careful about what we do. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about making Jesus our desire. And everything else coming underneath that. So what had happened for me in my understanding was that my sort of the emphasis had shifted. It had all just gone a bit skewed. Didn't mean I still love Jesus. Of course I do. But it's like just ah, oh. it's really insidious. It just sort of changes the emphasis. It changes us from where we need to be to, to something lower, just putting him on a lower, lower sort of level. And we, we, we don't want to do that, do we? I was mortified, actually, but not for long, because he's kind and he's wonderful. And I started to read his word, and his word has started to come alive to me in a new way, because that's what happens. That's what happens. I've had it happen once before, years and years and years ago, it hasn't done this yet, but I believe it will. And I started, I was reading his word. It's like I could be there, you know? You ever had that? It's like I could feel the heat. I could smell the place. I could hear stuff going on. It's real, you know? It's real. The Bible is the most exciting book we can ever read. It's not just instruction. It's not just stories. It's not simply something to be studied. It's his word to us. There, we have nothing available to us that's more precious than his word. And on it, all things are built. You know, there is nothing at all 
absolutely nothing at all that is spoken that's contrary to his word that we can claim to be his. He will never speak contrary to his word. Never. He'll never contradict himself. Anybody ever gives you a prophetic word and you can't back it up through his word, bin it. Just don't go there. And here's the thing. You see, we know from that very word that what is happening in our time is deceivers are coming in. You know, false teachers, false prophets. You know, people who, who want to give you what your ears want to hear. You know, and it's worse than that because the Bible also says, and let me find this because it's worth, it's worth just reading this scripture. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, for the time is coming when people will, people, us, will not endure sound teaching, when we won't endure it, but have itching ears. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And it's insidious. It's insidious. But you see, this, this, this stepping out and standing out, the standing out part of this equation is standing out for him. Undiluted, uncompromised, holiness, purity, not messing with his word, not cherry-picking bits that suit us, but accepting that it's his word and it's true. It's all true. It's standing out. It's being prepared. And I don't know about you, but I am incredibly aware of where the, in the church that's not happening. Where as I'm not talking about faith life here. I'm talking about you know, church in inverted commas. But there are things in the church that have no place being in the church. Amen? Mm -hmm. And um, compromise will kill us. Yeah. Yeah. Compromise will kill us. But standing is going to get harder because the opposition is going to get stronger. But God is greater than any of that opposition. Amen? Amen. He's so much greater than any of that opposition. And as we stand for him, boy, oh boy, will he empower us in the places where we are. We will look like Jesus when we look in the mirror. We will look like Jesus when we're out in the marketplace or at work or whatever. The people may not know it's Jesus they're seeing, but they'll see something different and something that is so beautiful, so attractive, being like a magnet to him. But we can't do it if we dilute his word. We can't do this. That will not be attainable if we have mixture and compromise in our churches. We absolutely can't. So we love everybody, but we don't love the, the stuff, you know, the stuff that is contradictory to what God says. So that's part of the standing out and I was so I've been sharing with you was what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response was to Nebuchadnezzar when he's threatening them with the fiery furnace. He's saying, if you will not bow down, this is what's going to happen to you. And they must, oh, can you just, you, we can't begin to imagine. But their response was, hey, Neb. No, they didn't. They were more respectful than that. He said, King, King. I called him King. Sat and I thought about that and I thought, my goodness, you know, these guys, this is, oh, this is Old Testament stuff. These guys, they don't have Jesus. They don't have the Father Heart message. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have any of those things that we have. And still, they, they were resolute, they were steadfast, they had what they had, they had the teachings that they had, they had made a decision, and they said, we will not compromise. 
even if he does not. That's a word for us. It's a real word for us, church, as we go forward. And we have Jesus. And we have Father. And we have Holy Spirit always there, coming alongside to help, because that's what he does, doesn't he? All the time. So we, there's no excuse for mixture. There's no excuse for compromise. Wow. Oh. And if fear of what other people might think about us is one of the stones in our pockets, boulders in our pockets, or the mud that we're stuck in, then we <coughs> let's allow him to deal with that fear in us. Because what does perfect love do? It casts out fear, doesn't it? Whose love is perfect? Jesus' love is perfect. Is it available to us? Absolutely yes. Does he live in us? Absolutely yes, he does. Fear, it shouldn't even be in our dictionary. Should it? <laughs> it really shouldn't. And I can stand here and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm stirring up my own faith. But I've got to tell you, I am the first person to worry about what people think. You know, God, God has shown me. The other thing that happens, if you actually, um, if you, you join with him when he gives you a challenge like he did with me about my reading, was there's a sort of acceleration of things happening, you know. And another thing that he showed me was, he just showed me my desperate need to be affirmed. You know, that I want people to tell me that I'm doing okay. Now, I need to, okay. If you want to tell me I'm doing okay at the end of this, then that's really lovely. But I don't want you to feel that you've got to, okay? I'm not, I'm not looking for it here. But I'm doing okay. I got that from Mark. That's high praise. <laughs> so, but he showed me that I do, I do have that. And he showed me that actually the only one I should want, I should desire to give me affirmation, because it's the only one who matters, is him. It's Jesus. And don't we, I want to hear him say, well done. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Amen? Yeah. And he's dealing, that's one of the things I'm trying to deal with. You know? So, <laughs> let him show us, show each one of us, you know, what those things may be that are just keeping us from entering in to his glory. Because that's what we're talking about here. Entering into his glory so that we might shine and be his glory where we are. Because I don't know about you, but I actually, I'm not that interested in being around if I can't be his glory. Yeah. You know? If I have earthly ambition left, and I've been a very, you know, if you read my story, I went through a period of time when I had great ambition for earthly things, for wealth and for possessions and for, you know, I was on a career ladder and I, yeah, and I kidded myself for a while that, um, you know, that was all good, it was fulfilling me. I was actually dying inside because none of this stuff matters at all. But if I have an earthly desire left, that is it. That's it. That I'd be that glory carrier, that people would see him in me. So, we need to identify if we're stuck, what is keeping us stuck. We need to identify with him what those stones might be in our pockets so that we can empty our, stone, our po pockets of those stones. When we do that and we fix our eyes on Jesus and we screw up our faith, we will be able to step out of the boat and go wherever it is that he wants us to go, do whatever it is that he wants us to do, and we will get there. We will get there. We won't need a five-year plan or a program or a, you know, a 72 prayer meetings or, you know, we'll just get there because it's him. It's him. It's all about him. And the emphasis is him. It's for his glory. It's for him. I wrote my, the book in obedience to him. He then spent a year showing me it wasn't my story, it's his story. 
It's his story. It's not about me. It's his story. What he's done. How he's changed things and turned things around. So, this is quite tough, isn't it? It's quite a tough message. But it's a necessary message. As we go into... 2023, whatever that is going to look like, however it's going to pan out, whatever is going to happen in worldly terms, what we do know is the darkness is getting darker. And as the darkness gets darker, the light shines brighter. And we're the light. Him in us. That's the light. That's the light. And, um, and we need to be resolute. We need to know who we are. We need to um, be prepared to take that stand even when it's not popular and even when we may be spoken ill of or misunderstood. But take heart. I was just looking at some scripture, you know, this is, this is quite tough. And you know what your stones are, you know what your stuckness is, you know how hard it is. Um, but God's looking for people who are prepared to take responsibility for themselves and not be like Adam in the garden, you know, walking with God. When God asked him, you know, did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? What did Adam say? It wasn't my fault, it was her. Eve, the same question. What did she say? It wasn't me, it was that snake. Mm -mm. It's time to say, yes, Lord, I recognize. In that situation, that was me. I take responsibility for that. He's quick to forgive He's really quick to forgive, but he can't do it until we're prepared to surrender it, until we're prepared to recognize it. But in 1 Corinthians we read that no temptation has seized us except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. If you are struggling with something, it's not... It's not Surprising to God. No temptation seizes us that's not common to man. If we put something in his place, that's, you know, that's idolatry. That's what Paul's talking about here, though he's a bit more specific. But he'll provide us with a way out so that we can stand up under it, so we can be encouraged. I was more encouraged when I read in Galatians. Um about Paul confronting Peter. You know, here's Peter. He's like this, Peter, he's the, the rock of the, you know, he's Peter, isn't he? You'd listen to Peter, wouldn't you? You know, he was around with Jesus, he walked with, Pete, with Jesus. Jesus said, you know, on you, I'm gonna establish my church. Peter's a good guy, right? But he goes to the Galatians, and when he's there, he's eating and drinking with the non-Jewish believers. He's really happy hanging out with them. He's loving their company. It's all going tickety-boo and well until the Jews turn up and then it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I can't mix with them when they'll see me. How will they judge me? So it's common, you know, and that's what I'm trying to say. I was really encouraged by that. If that happens to Peter, you know, let's not give ourselves, let's not condemn ourselves when we're not meeting the mark. Let's recognize where we need to take responsibility, surrender it to the Lord, allow him to minister to us, and move forward in his forgiveness. Amen? Does that, is that encouraging? Is that encouraging? So we should take heart. So the first step out challenge to this message, I believe, is to respond to it. That's the first bit of stepping out. And it's, it's being prepared to actually recognize the things that he's showing us about ourselves and allowing him to minister to us that we might be free of those things. And there is a grace for this, I believe, right here, right now. Because he's here, right now. He's here, right now. And you know, if the person of Jesus was standing here instead of me, right now, we'd all be on our feet, wouldn't we? And we'd be rushing towards him, wouldn't we? Yeah. 
We would. We'd be like the woman at the, at the the woman with the issue of blood, wouldn't we? It's like, oh, if I just get anywhere near his garment, that'll be enough. I just touch his cloak. We'd be there, wouldn't we, like a shop? Are we all in agreement here? Are we of one mind? So here's the thing. He is here right now. He is here right now. And we have an opportunity to step out, to step out of our seat, to step out from the back to the front, to step out and just say, Jesus, I, I, I can't even identify what those things are right now, but my heart desires you. And I want to be transparent before you, before you today. Would you begin to show me so that we could, to, I can receive from you so that together, you know, I can be free to, to worship you in spirit and in truth and with true humility. Who wants that? Shall we stand to our feet? Maybe someone could come and just um, just uh, play the keyboard quietly. That would be really helpful. Just while we do this, so there is a um, there is a, a response here. There's an opportunity to just say yes again to him, and um, it's not about me. It's not about. It's just about Jesus. It's just about saying yes, Lord. So if you would like to do that, there's no compulsion. But, you know, if he was here, imagine him here. <laughs> imagine him here. If you would like to do that, then I invite you. He invites me to just come and be at his feet in this place.